Sorry, I've been a little bit AFK today. You're like, what does that mean? Uh, I've been a little, uh, little um, hermit crabby today because I don't really feel all that great. So, uh, bear with me. We're going to get through this, and uh, God's going to give me enough strength to, uh, to preach this, and it's going to be good. Amen? So if, uh, if you don't see much of me uh, today, that's why. So, uh, uh, All good, all good. Wow, you guys showing up and showing out today. It's great. Um, okay, so we are in uh, a series uh, called what? The House, the House of David. And uh, we've been going through it. It's been great. This is week four. Uh, and um, we've talked about... Uh, Samuel, we've talked about Saul, we talked a little bit about David and Goliath last week, and this week we're going to talk about an interesting story of uh, David and Jonathan. Everybody say Jonathan. Uh, and this is Jeremiah's dad in the story. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yes, David and Jonathan. Um, but before we get into all that, i got to ask some questions. Can I ask some questions? Is that okay, everybody? Raise your hand. If you have some good friends, raise your hand if you got some good friends. That's a good friend. Raise your hand if you think you got some friends that'll be friends for life. Anybody got some friends that'll be friends for life? Friendship is is quite important. Amen. And most of the time, the sad thing. Here's what I've learned. Uh, most of the time, uh, most of the friends that we think are going to be lifelong friends aren't actually lifelong friends. But there is good news that there is uh, there's a few that break the mold that if we find them and we commit to being their friend, man, it could be such an enhancement to our life. Uh, and we're going to talk about that today. But I want to say a couple things first. Um, I'm never against being friends with people who aren't Christian, right? Uh, but what I am against is having your closest inner circle be a bunch of people that don't love God. Does that make sense? Because if we're trying to walk through life and we're trying to go in the right direction that we're going, right, and, and, we're, and we're trying to uh, see uh, Jesus become more alive to us every day and, and, and see kind of us walking uh, towards him and, and transforming and being more like him, it's not going to be helpful to us if our closest friends, the one we go to for advice, don't even believe in him. Amen? And so I would encourage you to look at your friend group. Here's something that has been said many, many times, and I believe it to be true. If you show me your five closest friends, I'll show you your future. If you're like, I'm a good Christian, but my five closest friends, uh, they're kind of a mess, right? They're getting into all sorts of trouble, but I love them. I've known them forever. We're tight. We're cool or whatever. It's really hard to be the one standing strong in your faith amongst a bunch of others that aren't. Does that make sense? And so I'd encourage you to make, uh, make your close circle uh, people uh, who believe in God. And maybe that's just people in this room. Maybe that's people at school who believe uh, in Jesus. And uh, it'll help us uh, to go in the direction that we want to go. All right? Um, I have some great friends. Truth is, we call... Danielle and I call the leaders a leadership team, but really they're just like our best friends. (laughs) 
and we just hang out and do hood rat stuff together all the time. And uh, I'm just kidding. But we have a good time. They're, they're, they're our friends. We want to do life with them, right? I've had a couple friends uh, for life. I have this friend, Micah, who was born three months after me. And I was at the hospital when he was born, and we've been friends our whole entire lives. Uh, and he's great. I've got a friend named Brandon that I met uh, probably seven, eight years ago now out here, and it kind of snuck up on me. He's like a brother to me now. He's, his, his picture's on my mom's mantle. Like he, She officially adopted him, I guess, even though he has parents. But anyways, um, but he's great. He's such a good friend. There was one time we were in college, and I was really bummed. I was working a, a job that was pretty hard. I was working overnight shifts, like 5 p.m. to 8 a.m., and, um, and there was one shift I had to go 5 to 12 the next day, and Danielle had a soccer game, and I was really bummed that I couldn't go. I was always trying to be at Danielle's soccer games, because if you didn't know, Danielle's an absolute stud muffin. Uh, and so she's playing soccer, living it up, and I couldn't go to her game. And so guess without even telling me, my friend Brandon went to Danielle's game just so she'd have someone there to support her. Isn't that great? Uh, we need friends like that in our lives. I've got a friend who's not really a friend anymore, more like a, we call each other cousins. It doesn't make sense, but uh, so my dad's best friend, Paul, uh, and my mom's best friend, Debbie, they, we've known, they've known each other for like 30 years and they have four kids and one of them's name is Kyle and he's about six years older than me and my brother, Evan, and his little brother, Weston, were about the same age and they always just picked on me. Anybody ever been picked on before by older siblings? They just picked on me. They beat me up and stuff. It was sus. They wouldn't do it now. Bet you won't. <laughs> All right. But uh, they pick on me. They'd uh, they they'd they'd be like, "Hey, Brett, you wanna you wanna play Halo?" And I'm like, "Oh, really? You guys are gonna let me play?" And then they'd set me up where it's them two versus me, and just headshots all day. I couldn't even like I couldn't even walk out of the cave. I was like, "What?" Right? And so Kyle would always log on. Like, you guys aren't being fair. And then he'd he'd come to my rescue. And and uh, and so I was looked up to Kyle. But it's fun as we got as we've gotten older, past like the the twenty me hitting 20, right, we've really just become, like, best friends, and the coolest thing about my relationship with Kyle is, one, we just feel like family now, uh, we try to do holidays together, and we try to be at each other's biggest moments in life, and, and the coolest part about it is he's, like, uh, Danielle would probably say that Kyle's one of her closest friends, too, and not in a weird way where she just is, like, texting him all the time on the, on the, <laughs> on the low, what, it, what I mean by that is when we go to hang out with him, it's the three of us just having a blast, and just having a good time, and, uh, and so there's a couple friends in my life uh, that I, I are just going to be there forever. And I'm better because of them. And sometimes they call me out. Sometimes uh, we'll call each other and we're on the phone. Danielle gets annoyed, but I'll be on the phone for like an hour, hour and a half with one of them and just talking through life. And, hey, man, I don't know. Maybe you should try this. Maybe you do this, whatever. And Danielle's in the background. You guys are both stupid. You know, whatever. <laughs> but we need friendships. Friendships are especially helpful in the loneliest of times. And here's the thing, I, I, I'm, I haven't even started my, not my notes yet, but here's the thing I've noticed in Western culture. Can I, can I call us out for a second? We have, um, we have completely idolized romance. And what I mean by that is everyone thinks that their life is not fulfilled unless they find their one true love, right? It's like, my life is completely pointless unless I find the one. My life is empty 
unless I find that perfect person. And this is why divorce rates are so high, because at some point, five, six years down the road, you'll realize you've changed in marriage. And it's like, wait a second. (laughs) We don't get along as good as we used to. And you have to realize that love is a choice. It's not just a feeling. But what happens is folks feel like, oh, maybe they weren't the one. I messed up. <laughs> I got to go find the one, right? And so then it's just this cycle that repeats. But what we've done is we've, ro- we've completely idolized romance, forgetting that we already have a one true love. And his name is Jesus, right? And he's completely enough for us. Not to say that we're not. Some of us in the room, most of us in the room or whatever, aren't going to get married and have kids and all that kind of stuff. But that, there's also some challenges that come to that. And what I will say is some folks will be in, a, in, in moments of real loneliness and searching for that. And you know what? A really great covenant friendship will get us through. Will see us through some dark times. Okay? So there's a story of David... David was just the young shepherd boy who, by the way, was him. He was a stud. He killed Goliath. Uh, and at the end of that story, there's some crazy stuff. And David kills Goliath with the sling, and then he goes, and this is kind of graphic. Here we go. He cuts off his head. Whoa! And he picks him up by his hair like this. And Saul, the king, goes up to David to talk to him. Hey, man, and it's, the Bible says that he's still holding Goliath's head. That's a weird conversation. Like, bro, just drop it, you know. Um, but they're talking, and, they're, uh, and Saul is saying, you know, thanks, and, and you've, you've, you've saved us all, and all this kind of stuff. And what happens is Jonathan is Saul's son, okay? And Jonathan loves David like that covenant best friend that he's ever had. Right? Here's what the Bible actually says. It's in 1 Samuel chapter 18. I don't have it on the screen because I wasn't feeling good today, so I didn't type it up. But I'll read it to you right now. Now it came about when he had finished speaking to Saul that the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as himself. Talk about a best friend. That's crazy. They're going to be best friends for life. Saul took him that day and did not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped himself of his robe, so he took off his robe that was on him, and he gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. If you're just reading this on your own, this might seem relatively insignificant. This is a huge deal, a massive deal. Jonathan, remember, is Prince Ali, right? He, he's, he's the prince of Israel. He's, he's Saul's son. Does that make sense? So Jonathan really should be the next king because his dad is what? King. Okay. So what does Jonathan do? Jonathan takes off his robe, his royal garments, and he gives them to David. And he takes his armor and his, and his weapons and he gives them to David. What is this saying? He's saying to David, The throne is yours. I'm with you no matter what. I see the hand of God on your life, and I'm here to support you no matter what. That's crazy. That's so selfless. Most of the time, we wouldn't even think about doing something like that. We're friends with people until they get in the way of our pride. It's like, oh, man. I had this happen one time. So my friend Micah, the one I was talking about earlier that we've been friends like our whole lives, we had a rough, we had a rough patch in like second grade. <laughs> we had kids' church, and me and him would lead worship together, okay? 
And Micah's dad was the kid's pastor. And Micah came up to me one time, and he's like, hey, I don't know why this is super weird, but my dad said he just wants me to lead worship this morning by myself. I was like, all right, whatever. So he led worship by himself. It was great, man. We, yeah. And that night we went over to their house because we were really close friends with them. And Pastor John, his dad, came up to me and he's like, hey, bud, why didn't you sing with us this morning? Right? I said, oh, oh, really? I said, oh, you know, I just, uh, I just wasn't feeling great, you know. I said, Micah, can we have a word? <laughs> Right? I was like, what was that about? You know? He's like, I'm sorry, I just got a little jealous. Like, you, you know, I just, I just wanted people to see me. You know? And it's silly, we we're kids, but so often our friendships are like that. Where it's like, man, I, I really want to support you, I really want to do that, until you get better at me and the thing I think I'm really good at. Oof, that's rough. Oh, I thought I was supposed to do that. They're, they're surpassing me, you know? It's like when Sarah sings a song on Sunday and she's better than me. And I'm like, dang, man, this is tough, you know. I feel like I've, you know, we've kind of lifted her up in leadership and she's better than me. And this is not fair, you know. Just jokes. But, <laughs> but we, can, we can get jealous. But Jonathan didn't do that. Jonathan said, man, everything I have is yours. My royalty is yours. So David went out wherever Saul sent him. And he prospered. And Saul sent him over the men of war. So David's in charge now, the men of war. <laughs> He's him. I told you. I told you. And it was pleasing in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. It happened as they were coming. When David returned from killing the Philistine, that the women of the town came out of all the cities of Israel singing and dancing to meet King Saul with tambourines, with joy, with musical instruments. And the women sang as they played, Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his ten thousands. Oof. That's disrespectful. So Saul's probably like, Saul has slain his thousands. David has slain his... What? Uh, uh, he just, it was one big dude, okay? It was one big dude. So what happens is Saul now gets jealous. Everybody say jealous. Saul gets jealous. Raise your hand if you've ever been jealous before. Right? Saul says, I'm, my dad said I'm going to lead worship by myself today. Just kidding. So what happens is Saul gets really uh, skeptical of David. And there's been a, there's a couple times in Scripture that the Bible says that a dark spirit came over uh, Saul and, and David's in, in his quarters just playing harp and helping, you know, just chill the mood out. And, and the Bible says literally that Saul picked up a spear and tried to pin David against the wall. That's what it says. He's trying to make David a wall ornament. And David's like, whoa, wait, okay, chill, all right. And he walks out. Two times it happens. Saul tries to kill David. Saul gets jealous of David, so he sends him out at war, and he says, put him on the front lines, and then what does David do? He kills 200 guys by himself, comes back, says, what's up? <laughs> Saul's like, oh, I can't get rid of this guy, man. He's like a cockroach, you know. <laughs> he won't die. So then Saul has, I got this dinner plan. We're going to kill him at the dinner, right? And Jonathan's like, bro, come to dinner. <laughs> David's like, bro, you don't know. He's trying to kill me at this dinner. David's, and Jonathan's like, no, there's no way, man. He wouldn't do that. He hasn't told me about that. He goes, you really think he's going to tell you that he wants to kill your best friend? He goes, all right, fair enough. Don't come, and we're going to see how mad he is. And Saul is mad. 
Superman. And so what this turns into is, is, is David is really, and David marries Saul's daughter, Michael. So David, so David and Jonathan aren't even just best friends. They're brother-in-laws now. Pretty cool. Um, and so one time, Michael says, hey, bro, you got to go. David, you're about to die. Like, if you stay here, they're going to kill you, right? So he leaves. This turns into David basically being in exile, hiding in caves, running for his life until the time that Saul dies. So much so that he's hiding in, in caves and stuff. And there's this one time it says in the Bible that, that Saul walks into this cave to relieve himself. He's got to go pee pee. And so Saul's going pee. And David's behind him. Like, I could kill this fool right now. The most embarrassing death of all time. <laughs> Imagine. Just using, using the John. <clears throat> and he comes up behind him and he cuts his cloak. He takes a piece, and he walks out just to show him that I could have killed you, but I didn't do it. Crazy. He's in exile. And, and let's put ourselves in David's mindset real quick for a couple of minutes. Remember, David was the kid who got visited by Samuel, and Samuel said, David, you're supposed to be king. And he anointed him king. Then he went and killed Goliath. This is great. He's head over the army. This is great. Everything's going in the direction. It's like in our lives, right? You might, get, uh, you might be doing good in school. You might have the best friends in the world. Your parents are doing great. Everything is looking good. And then all of a sudden, it falls apart. Man, what do we do then? Right? For those of you that are older and have jobs, like you're working your way up in your job. You're getting all the promotions, right? And you're doing all the things. And you're like, man, I'm, I'm, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. And, and then everything just falls apart. This is David. David's like, wait, wait, wait. I'm supposed to be king. What is going on? So what do we do in those moments? What is so helpful for David in in those moments? A friend like Jonathan. That can get him through the tough times. When he's all alone. Just needs someone to talk to. (laughs) Right? So. I don't even know what time I started, but this is going to be about to be the shortest message I've ever preached in my life. <clears throat> but it's good. So here's the thing. Most of us are thinking in our head, all right, I've got to find some good friends. Well, I don't know. Sandra's like, she's kind of sus. And Billy's fine, but he kind of smells funny. <laughs> Are we thinking through these friends and you're like, man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta find the best friend I could possibly have. It's better than all the friends. You lift me up, but not be too good. I don't want them to be too good. I gotta kind of be like, you know, I can't be the ugly friend, <laughs> you know? And so, <laughs> you know, we gotta find this really good friend group that like kind of mixes in, you know, I can't, you know. And sure, finding a great friend is awesome. I've found some great friends over the years. Uh, some students turned leaders, turned friends, some friends that I just stumbled upon, some friends that were given to me by my family. (laughs) I found some great friends. We're going to do life together. But here's the thing. More than finding a great friend, we got to learn how to be a good friend. Because once again, the story maybe isn't about David. Maybe it's even not that we're David in this story. We could be. We could go through a hard time. We could desperately need a good friend and someone will maybe step up. But that's kind of happenstance. 
Maybe this story is trying to tell us to be a good Jonathan. To where we, we, we lay down our pride. We tell our friends, like, hey, I'm with you no matter what. I'm seeking the same things you are. And I know God's going to do something amazing in your life. He's going to do something amazing in mine. So let's be with each other in it. Hold each other accountable and walk through that. Okay? So I got three things. Everybody say three things. Three things that will make us good friends. There's a hundred things that will make us good friends, but this is the first three. Why don't we just write this down? Okay? The first thing that will make us a good friend, this, this was something that when Danielle and I got married, we had this, this, this big wooden piece that was painted all cool, and every, that was kind of our, like, our, our guest book. And so everyone signed something on this. And Danielle's Uncle Tom signed the most simple thing, but it was the most profound thing on the board by far. And all he said, you know, everyone's like, have a fruitful and wonderful marriage, which is great. All these things are great. And all Uncle Tom said is he said, love well, Uncle Tom. It's like, whoa. <laughs> You're like, <laughs> you know, oh, that's so crazy. <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding. I'm, if you haven't noticed yet, yeah, I'm an emotional guy. I almost cried right there. Um, Danielle is crying. Uh, <laughs> but here, to be a great friend, to be a great friend, you got to love well. And loving well means choosing love when you don't feel like it. Loving well means being patient, kind, right? There's a whole scripture about that. Loving well means sacrificing. And in our marriage, it really ought to not be 50-50. And I got <laughs> to get better at this, I will say. But it has to be 100-100. Where no matter what, I'm giving her everything I got. And no matter what, she's giving me everything she's got. Even if the sink is overflowing with dishes and our dishwasher is broken. Okay? I look at it, I'm like, dang, that's crazy. <laughs> and I justify it in my head all the time. Like, man, I, I've, I've cooked dinner every day for like the last four months. And so I don't need to do this. But it's stupid. I need to give my 100%. Right? I'm being vulnerable. You guys know exactly who we are because we're vulnerable with you. Amen? Um, and so love well. Love well. And that's the secret, too, of one day when you get to that place, if, if, if marriage is what God's calling you into, uh, uh, a marriage doesn't work because you're super attracted to this person and your marriage just works because you found a best friend. It's about companionship. So love well. Amen? Number two, lay down your pride. Man, be excited when your friends succeed even if they succeed more than you are in the moment. Do you guys remember my illustration of the, uh, of the humble architect? It was in a book, some book I was reading. I don't remember what it was. But. Basically what it's saying is there's an architect, and he built the most beautiful building in the whole world. And he's absolutely in love with it. And he says, guys, check this out. It's so great. And some people might think, wow, he's being kind of cocky, but he's not because the humble architect, even if somebody else built that building, would still be just as excited about it just because of its beauty and how well constructed it was. And that's how we ought to be. Sure, be confident in yourself and be excited when you succeed, but be excited when your friends succeed too. Because we want to see us win. We want to see everybody succeed. And, and, uh, and so we got to lay down our pride. Just like, just like Jonathan took off his robe and his armor and he gave it to David, we got to lay down our pride. 
Number three, the last one, we got to be trustworthy and we got to be honest. So here's the, these are two really big ones. Trustworthy means if I say yes to something, we're going to do it. If I say no to something, we're going to do it. Except for maybe sometimes a Sunday afternoon spike ball because Vince might get kind of cranky and then I said yes and I can't go. Okay? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's for my friends that we played. <laughs> but when we say yes, follow through. When we say no, <laughs> follow through. The Bible says let your yes be yes and your no be no. Be trustworthy. If someone gives you something in secret, as long as it's not completely harmful to them, right? you carry that and you hold that close. I'm not going to break their trust. Amen? And then honesty. Here's the big one, especially as Christians. The, the, the goal of a Christian is not to go and tell your friends that they're, they're, they're sinning worse than you are. <laughs> but a covenant friendship allows for accountability where your friend can tell you that you're not living up to standard. And you could tell your friend they're not living up to standard. we got to be honest with each other. Honest when they're doing great. Honest when they're doing bad. <laughs> the Bible says that the... Hold on. i got to remember it. <laughs> it's in Proverbs. The wound of a friend... I'm, I'm going to mess it up. But it's the wound of a friend is better than a kiss from an enemy. Sometimes, that's basically it. I got it right, so whatever. <laughs> the wound of a friend is better than the kiss of an enemy. Sometimes your friend needs to tell you, hey, man, you've really screwed up. <laughs> We're going to learn this with David in the next coming weeks. He made a big mistake, and his friend had to tell him, man, you messed up. So we got to be honest with our friends. But we got to be honest that they're doing great. <laughs> they're doing, they're, they're, they're going on the right track. And this is why it's important to have Christian friends because if you're, if you're, all your friends are non-Christian, they're being honest with you, they probably aren't actually being honest with you. Maybe they think they are, but if they don't believe the same things we believe, right, it's hard to be <laughs> completely honest. Amen? Trustworthy and honest. Here's something I learned uh, from a Tim Keller uh, video I was watching. He's a great guy, and he said the, the, the key traits of a, uh, of a servant leader is this. Ready? is that I can take correction without crumbling. I can give correction without crumbling someone else. And I can forgive without any residual anger. I can take correction without crumbling, which means not getting offended easily, which is the exact opposite of today's society. <laughs> I can give correction without... Completely crumbling my friend, which means doing it in love. And then I can also forgive without any residual anger. And like I've always done, I try to relate the stories to Jesus. How does this relate to Jesus? Well, Jesus was that friend to us. In our darkest times, when we, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Knowing that, that a lot of people would say no. Can you imagine that? Dying on a cross for somebody, looking them in the eye, knowing that they're going to say no. You're doing it for nothing for that person. Jesus died for us. Jesus humbled himself to come to earth as a man, to give up 
everything he had as God to just walk among us and be tempted. Nice voice crack. To be tempted, to walk through all that, he gave it all up. Just like Jonathan gave up his royalty and gave everything else. And he died for us. On the cross, because he loves us. He cares for us. So, I will say this. Find some good friends. Be a good friend. But before you do any of that, make sure Jesus is your closest friend. Make sure that you get that right first. Amen? Why don't we stand up? Let's pray together. I'm done. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for today. We thank you for uh, who you are. We thank you for uh, just your word, God, that it helps us so much. God, help us to be a good friend. Help us to find good friends and help us to make sure that you are our closest friend, God. And so we just pray, Lord, that you would be with us this week as we go to school, as we go to work, as we uh, are living our lives, God, that you would give us a boldness, Lord, to love on others, God, to, to show them how you would love them, God, to uh, walk in your ways. And so thank you for this group, God. Thank you for uh, their willingness to show up and, and learn more about you. Uh, and uh, God, help, help us to be world changers. In Jesus' name, amen.